Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. Destry Devonport, welcome to Companion Pass. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I have selfishly wanted to get to know you better for a very long time because I am a fan of yours. So this is very exciting for me. Well, thank you. Same (laughs) with me. It's kind of funny, short story. A long time ago, Luke knows my dad and stuff. And we were going somewhere and Luke was headed to the finals and we had puppies for sale, like Australian Shepherd puppies or something. And I remember Luke getting one and naming it Finals. And I always told my dad after, I'm like, I want to meet Lindsay and just be her friend. She's the coolest person ever. (laughs) I'm not that cool, so I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm happy you want to be friends. I love that you just brought that up because I wanted to say that to you. When I told Luke that you were coming on, he was like, oh, did you know that's where I got finals, my dog? Because I knew finals. He was like the most beautiful (laughs) dog. I think he was like a border collie. Could that be correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was just like gorgeous. And so when I first met Luke, when we were dating and I went out to their ranch in California, he was just like always there. And it was so cute because he would jump really high. And so Luke would always tap his chest and he would like jump into Luke's arms. It was so cute. And he was the best dog. We He was around for the first several years that we were married even. But so when he told me that was you, I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I love this like small rodeo world. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's so funny. Now, if I don't think that you really need an introduction, but I'm going to give you one. So you are a professional barrel racer. You're also a breakaway roper. And for the last couple of years, you have been dating Corey Solomon, who is a 10-time NFR qualifier in the tie-down roping. So you are qualified across the board to be our rodeo <laughs> expert. I don't know about that, but... <laughs> I sure appreciate the kind words and and definitely try my best. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm just excited to have you here and hear your perspective on all of this. So let's start at the beginning of you. Tell us a little bit about like how you grew up and and your ties to rodeo. Okay. So my dad is from New Mexico and he rode bareback horses and team ropes. He, we grew up like checking wheat pasture cattle and my dad's broke and trained colts our whole life and rodeos. It's been in his blood forever. And then my mom is from Muleshoe, Texas. Um, and so some mutual friends set them up. And my mom was on the racetrack for a long time. And then they got together. And um, it's kind of funny. We always laugh. My dad's pretty quiet about it. But he's actually a really good barrel horse trainer. And so, yeah, everybody's like, where did you guys kind of learn and this and that? And just that's how we got started. We team roped, junior rodeoed, high school rodeoed, doing every event you can imagine. And that's kind of how everything began. My mom and dad did it and just kind of set us up in it. And it's been a family thing forever. If you grew up rodeoing, junior rodeoing, high school rodeoing, all of that, 
did, was it just kind of a foregone conclusion that this is the path that you wanted to continue following after school? It was. We always laugh because, like, my parents never pressured us into doing anything with horses. Of course, that was our lifestyle. We ended up moving to California. My parents got offered a really great job training, reining horses and stuff there. And it was kind of a saving grace for our family because it was really hard to make a living in New Mexico. So it just, I mean, I was on a horse before I could walk, but um, it was never pushed onto us, but it is kind of a running joke in the family because I did college rodeo and go to college, but I hate school. I finally sat down with my parents and I'm like, look, it's just not going to work. I don't care about college rodeo. I think it's wonderful. It's just not my gig. But I just knew from the very beginning I was going to do take the horse path and rodeo and train horses. Growing up, we didn't have a ton of money. So between my mom on the racetrack and my dad and their knowledge, like we either had to fix horses that were crippled or we had to fix them that were blown up or had an issue. And that's what we had to succeed on. So I think it's always been in my blood. And now, even like through college and after that, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that because I want to be able to help somebody else. If they yeah. come to me and are like, oh, my horse is crippled. I'm like, I got you. I May not be able to, but I can fix it um, right. kind of thing. So it just, yeah, I knew from a really young age that this was it for me. What an awesome set of skills to develop when you're young, but when you don't just have that kind of horse to get on. And so you're having to develop these things when you're young, when you're still learning yourself with all of your skills and you're, it's just kind of ingrained in you. I would think that's something that's probably just has helped you so much since then and will continue to in the future. Yeah, it, it's amazing to think if you could, if I could live in that moment again and realize how much I was learning and to just absorb it even more now. Yeah. It, my whole life, like growing up when I was little, my parents would be like, what do you want for your birthday? And I, all I wanted was, I wanted to go ride with people, be able to say, my mom was friends with Jackie Yatsla, who was Jackie Doobie then. And <laughs> my mom called her. I was like, maybe 15 and then was like, hey, Destry would like to come stay. What would it cost? And I went and stayed with her for three weeks. And it was just, I got to learn so much. And whether it was Jackie, Charmaine, whoever it was back, Danielle Campbell, I was so blessed in that way. That's what I wanted to do and learn, whether it was for my parents or anybody around me, that I'm so grateful for those experiences. And like I said, that has carried on to so much knowledge and things that have helped me every single day now. That I, like I said, I wish I could go back and absorb it more. I did, but you know how it is. It's just you evolve and get older and you're like, wow, that was like such an experience. Yeah. That's so awesome hearing that you had that experience. Like I'm kind of jealous actually. And I think when you're talking about getting to go and ride and learn with these girls who were like top of the top here, it's that's such an awesome opportunity for you because everybody does it a little bit different. So you're going to pick mm -hmm. up bits and pieces of knowledge from every different person, like a different approach. And maybe whatever horse you're riding then, it doesn't apply. But in five years, you get a different horse and you're like, oh, wait a second. I know a little bit about what I can do here. What a cool thing to have. That's exactly it. That's the, that is the absolute truth. It, it happens every day. It's like things that I, different horses I ride now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this from 10 years ago that I haven't used. But Thank goodness I have it in my back pocket because there was a day I was going to need it. And it, that's so true. Yeah. I don't think that there are that many kids that are driven to 
learn that way when they're that young. Because I know that I, it's exactly what you're saying. I had the opportunity to go and ride and stay with some different people who were training horses when I was junior high school. And that was really cool. But exactly what you were just saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even think that I heard or soaked in half of what they were saying. Because I didn't, maybe I didn't have the skill set at the time to even be able to like process it and understand what they were trying to teach me. And I think about it now and I'm like, want to shake younger me and be like, no, really, listen, take notes. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's exactly the truth. I'm just thankful that like we didn't, like you said, everybody wants to put their kids on just like the most solid horse and be like, go win and have fun, which is amazing. I, if I had a daughter, I'm sure I'd do that. I have a niece and I've sent her so many horses because I just want to see her win and go do good. But young, we weren't, we didn't have that chance. So it was like, you know what, I'm going to my parents couldn't just give us the any kind of amount of money to go buy something, but they right. could give us the amount of knowledge. They could. Yeah. I remember when I wanted to learn how to wrap legs and a horse's legs, standing yeah. wraps and running polos. And my mom was like, okay. But she, so she showed me being from the racetrack, she was so picky. And then she made me wrap every single horse we had. It'd be 15, 20 head of horses and all four legs. And if one wrap was wrong, She'd make us take it off and redo all of them until everyone was perfect. So it was like, everybody was like, mom was hard. She was mean. It was like, no, but she wanted us to like learn how to take that in and be able to knowledge is power. And so if you, if we could go ride with people, if it was learning how to wrap legs, if we could rope, I rode with cutters, everything, you may not have the money, but if you can put yourself in situations to learn and absorb that and take it in, you can do anything. Oh, absolutely. And it's, we just said it, but it's so much more valuable in the end to have those skills because I think that there are some people, and I'm, I don't even mean this in a negative way, but you see some girls that ride and they're great at riding horses. You know what I mean? It's like they jockey really well, I should say. And then you see some who are the ones that have really long-term continuous success over years and years or decades. What be, And you can tell that they're true horsewomen. And I think that there's a little bit of a difference there and not taking anything away from one. But it sounds like you're somebody who's like a real horsewoman. And I think that's in the end what kind of sets you apart because you can have success on all different horses. It's not just finding the needle in the haystack that got you wherever you were. Well, I appreciate that and definitely sh- something that I try to be and aspire to be and show uh, the younger generation or anybody for that matter that they too can do it if they have that want and drive. Like it's like you said, it, it's either like really like in your heart and soul or it's something that you do and you love and you want. Like yeah. I de- like you said, I think there's two different things to, and there's nothing wrong with either one, but it's definitely there's two sides to it for sure. Absolutely. And what an important message from girls to be hearing from you, especially younger girls that want to take this path, because I think that there is this kind of daunting, and I wouldn't even say it's a misconception, but perspective of barrel race, if that's what we're talking about, that you have to have a $100,000 barrel horse, that you're not going to go out there and be successful if you can't buy that super expensive, because that's out of reach for so many people. But to give them, I don't know if you call it a hope or just this being able to keep their dream alive that you don't have to have that in order to find success. Absolutely. That is for sure the truth. 
And I know you have a pretty big family. Is most of your family still in California? So my little sister is in New Mexico. And then my older sister is in California. We have a, my dad has a boarding and training facility there. And she, my older sister has a, like a junior rodeo team, high school rodeo team of kids of 30, 40 kids. And so she lives there. And then my bonus mom, she has kids and some in Colorado, some in California, some in Texas. We're kind of everywhere. Is it hard for you? Because it sounds like you have a pretty close family and this big family. Is it hard for you being far away from them? Oh, absolutely. Thank goodness. Like I have been traveling since I was super young. And like I said, that's kind of going back to being a kid. They taught me so much independence of what I wanted to do. So it's it's great that I have that. And I love that part of being able to go and not be afraid to leave the nest and go do things. But especially as you get older, it's really hard to be away. The older I get, the more I like love being home. I love being around my family. Thank goodness I'm really close to Corey's parents. They're amazing and have treated me like their daughter since I've day one been here. And it makes it a little easier, but it's definitely hard to be away from like my dad and sisters and all of them. Yeah. I moved when Luke and I got married. I moved from Arizona to California, which I mean, it's relatively close, but I felt a world away. And I was so close to my sisters and my parents that it was really hard for me. And I didn't really anticipate that being as much of a struggle because like you mentioned, I traveled all the time anyways. It's not like I was home all the time seeing them. But there's something mentally that it kind of did to me that I knew I was living somewhere else that it was Mm -hmm. kind of a challenge. And so that was hard for me to get over. And just like you said about Corey's parents, I can remember when Luke and I got engaged and I wasn't even living in California yet but I knew we would be. And I saw his parents for the first time at Salinas after we had gotten engaged. And I just remember his dad hugging me and being like, you're part of our family now. I think of you as my daughter and anything you ever need. And so it didn't necessarily take the sting out of how much I missed my family, but just being embraced like that into somebody else's family was such a gift to me when I was going to be far from mine. That's exactly right. I think it's so hard. That was one of the things that I always like really prayed for. I think when I knew that I wanted to eventually be married and have a family was having a good relationship with my in-laws was really important to me because I knew that I would end up far away from my family and I are so close. We talk five, six times a day Mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time together. So that was everything, like being close to Corey's family and, and him being gone this summer rodeoing. I stayed home to take care of everything. And that was hard because I usually rodeo too. And I didn't have my family here with me either. But kind of the same thing, his dad, like we just, I'll never forget, we were sitting in front of the barn and he could tell I was missing Corey and just kind of lonely. And we sat on the tailgate and talked for two hours. And he was just like, we just want you to know we love you. We're here for you. Gave me a hug. I was crying. He Aww. was crying. It was like happy tears. It was yeah. like the best moment. But <laughs> like you said, it doesn't take the sting away because then I, at that moment, I was just like, I miss my dad so yeah. much. <laughs> but I also knew that it had to be such a good feeling for my dad knowing that I was truly loved and cared for here. I wasn't just Corey's girlfriend. Like I yeah. am somebody that they actually care for and love to. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that aspect, but you're completely right, especially for your dad, who's obviously – it's hard for them to be away from us too. So since you've brought up 
Corey. Let's talk about that now. I want to hear. Oh, Corey. Oh, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to hear like how you guys met everything. Okay. So Corey and I have been friends for, I guess, since 2015 or so. We've, I've always known him like the rodeo and we've always just been friends. He actually tried to take me on a date like back in 2018, 17, 18. And I was like, no, I didn't want to date anybody. I was rodeo. I kind of doing my thing. And he tried and I blew him off. I was kind of mean, but <laughs> what can I say? And then in 2021, I was rodeoing and we were just friends and I'd seen him around and stuff. And it, it, this is kind of how everything started. I was at Cheyenne and I had Titan and I hit a barrel to win Nampa. I, I had been hitting a lot of barrels to win a lot of rodeos. Ogden, Nampa, that whole run. Right. And then I just hit a barrel to win my set at Cheyenne and make the oh. short go. And I was like, I had to leave right after to go to another rodeo and I was by myself. And I I hadn't even seen Corey. I didn't know where he was. And I was walking past the bathrooms at Cheyenne. I like sat down and I was just crying. I had to just, I had a break. Like I couldn't, and I was by myself. I was tired, whole yeah. rodeo thing. And Corey came cruising by on his bike and <laughs> he's like, what's wrong? And I told him and he's like, nope, get up. You got to go. We got to, he gave me this whole spill and helped me load everything and was like truly genuinely a friend to me and one of the most vulnerable moments of my life and then I didn't I thought of it but I didn't even think of it and I just was like all right like he's right I got to do this that's what separates the good from the great in rodeo is the ones that hit rock bottom go home and the ones that hit rock bottom keep going until they get to the top of the mountain and that's where you have your top 15 and your great and you have all the others that are phenomenal athletes and phenomenal rodeo in every event but they go home and that I understand it because I wanted to and yeah. Corey was like no like you you got to keep going like you need to pray about it you need to have faith in yourself yeah so that was kind of like our friendship got really a lot stronger then because like I said like it almost sometimes brings tears to my eyes because he was such a friend to me when I needed one the most when you're winning in what we do everybody's your friend most of the time. Oh, I know her. Oh, you're doing great. This, that. When you have gone up and then you go back down and you're hitting rock bottom, you're literally sitting on the ground crying, ready to go home. But you know you have one of the best horses in the world. The person that sees you fail and knows you're struggling and comes back and, and gives you those few encouraging words and helps you pack your stuff and get you on the road. That person means a lot to you, you know, as like I said, as a friend. And that's kind of how we met and then had made our friendship stronger. Yeah, for sure. I don't blame you. I'd have dated him too after that. <laughs> you know what's funny is I didn't even date him after that. He's and probably like, girl, guy. what do I have to do? <laughs> yeah. So whenever you're ready for the dating story, you'll love that. My gosh, after the story and everything you just said, I thought we were all already in love with him. I didn't know he still had to win us over. Good grief. <laughs> no, I really love that. And I love everything that you said about it really starting from a true and genuine friendship because he clearly cared about you and saw you for who you were and it wasn't any of that other stuff. He wasn't just enjoying you when you were your best. And that is so important in 
any relationship, whether it be a friendship, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, wife, whatever, like what an awesome thing for your relationship to be rooted in. That's exactly it. We're both really strong in our faith. And he had seen me do really, really well. And he had seen me do really, really bad. And he actually was like more, not, I wouldn't say he was there when things were great, but he was like, you're doing a great job. When things got bad is when he like was really stepped in and was my friend. And yeah, that's was everything to me because like you said, it's just, it's so hard. Like it's the rodeo and everything that is there. And he's rodeoing, trying to make the finals and do everything himself. It's not like he was just there, you know, for me, like he had his own thing going on and took the time to help a person. And that's just who he is. And that's in that moment, I won't say I wasn't like, okay, I really like this guy mm-hmm. because I th- I think that it's so important to look and be like, you know what? We get to do this because the good Lord lets us do this, right? It doesn't matter if it's rodeo or whatever. If something happened to Corey tomorrow or something happened to me tomorrow, am, is he the person that I see that's still loving me and beside me? Or if he chose to quit and, and didn't want to do anything with another horse or calf, am I the person to stand beside him? And so I think you really know who your people are when you're not winning or when you're not able to do it anymore, because those are the most, they become the most important people in your life. Because this is, we get to do this. We're not, we don't do this because there's no end to it. We are really allowed and gifted to do this and it only lasts for so long. So you better find somebody that you're going to be able to go through the long haul with, no matter if it's rodeo or health or retirement, for that matter. It doesn't matter. You still got to find that person that is your best friend and and makes you smile. I absolutely agree. And I think something that you said there is so important for people to hear, like maybe young people going into this. But I think when you are dating within the rodeo world, if you are, whether you're both rodeo athletes or just one of you is. I think you have to have a moment when things are getting serious where you stop and evaluate your relationship and take rodeo out of the equation. Like how much of our relationship is built on that because that's not going to last forever. And so you have to kind of stop and say, are we focused on this? Is this what's holding us together? Am I enjoying the highs that come with it? Like you have to totally remove that and be able to look at your relationship with the perspective of it not being there. Because you have, just like you said, you have to love somebody through it, but you also have to learn to love them outside of it. That's so great. That is the absolute truth. Like we had that big moment because everybody sees it. And I'll never forget the first year that I went to the finals with Corey. I asked Corey if I could just stay in the back and take care of the horses and not go to the back of her ceremony and do all of that because I knew what was about to come with it was, oh, she's dating him because he's made the finals and he rodeos and this and that. And I'm like, girl, that's the most stressful part. It's like these outfits and this. And I'm like, are you kidding? So I'd be happy just like being in the backside of it. And Corey's, no, absolutely not. But I've been super blessed to ride some really amazing horses. And when I had Titan, I obviously didn't own Titan, but Titan took a lot of my time and he consumed me, right? He needed a lot of love and care. And Corey was really great with all of that until you realize that 
that's taking over your entire relationship. Like rodeo, you come to a point of it's either going to be a make or break moment for your relationship. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, Corey was like, I love that you are doing amazing. And I love that you take such good care of your horses and that you are never sleeping. You make sure they have everything, the whole thing. But at the same time, like I have to be important too, like your priorities kind of thing. And I was like, no, that's crazy because I needed to know also that he loved me for me if I didn't have Titan because I didn't own him. And I had Buddy Rose, who I own and did really well on, but he's retired now. And then Titan. And then after Titan, right now I just have young horses. So you have to make sure that your relationship is very strong without winning being the center of it because there's a whole nother life out there. Not something that like we rodeo because we love it and think that's we're blessed to do it. But at the same time, you have to definitely make sure your relationship is strong and healthy outside of it. And you have a plan because it can't be everything. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what I'm hearing you talk about, like Corey's perspective of it and things that he's said to you or or what he's brought to the table, it really feels like he uniquely understands where you're coming from because he's a rodeo athlete too, right? You're both doing the exact same thing and you're both committed at such a high level. You're really connecting because you're experiencing so many of the same things at the same time. Like when you were saying him seeing you and helping you when you were at your lowest, I couldn't help but think about how he probably, that was probably something that he was looking for in a partner to be able to be there for him. And so that uniquely enabled him to see you in that moment and knew what you needed. That's so true. His one of Corey's biggest fears has always been like we talked about, what if he isn't Corey Solomon in the rodeo world? What if he's just Corey Solomon who's working so hard every day and is taking care of cows and taking care of calves and who is helping his dad doctor calves and putting out round bales and this and that. If he's that Corey Solomon Am I going to be there by his side? And yeah, he, I think, realized, like you said, in that moment that we are in so many ways the complete opposite. But in those kinds of things, we relate so much to each other and both know if I didn't rodeo ever again, he's got me. And if he didn't rodeo ever again, I love him for him. Yeah. Because I know that he's going to be there for me and he's going to take care of me and he doesn't care if I rope or run barrels. And him either. And that's, I know that's been one of his biggest fears because with no insult meant a lot of girls or guys your motives in the dating world when it comes to rodeo, right? Yeah. They date because of who it is and Vegas and the this and that. And I see it now from Corey's perspective, being from being to the finals 10 times now this year. That's actually like a fear is a girl that he lets his guard down with and really likes. And then if he got hurt, they're like on to the next cowboy. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And I see that. It's been a long time since I was in the dating scene. I'll just say that. (laughs) But I have been there enough to be able to see it. But you're totally right is that you have to wonder these guys, you go to Vegas and it's kind of this atmosphere Maybe it's changed. I don't know. Please feel free to jump in at any point here. But you go there and for 10 days, these guys are like cowboy rock stars. And it is like 
a moth to a flame. I could watch it with kind of like an amused, removed perspective. But I could so easily see how these guys, and you even see it with the progression of the week. You have somebody who comes into the finals and they're number one, they're the hot thing, they're expected to win. They have a crappy week. And as the week goes on, they're just getting kind of like less and less attention. It's like it kind of moves where the spotlight goes. And what a hard thing. I've never, thank God, never had to be in that position. But I could see that being a huge amount of pressure on a guy, like picking the right girl. Like you want the attention. I'm sure it feels great in the moment. But how do you know that when you leave Vegas and it goes back to January 1st and you got zero dollars won? You're starting all over again. Is that girl that loved everything that sparkled still going to stick by you when you're broke, not winning, have four flat tires and your horse is crippled? That is that is absolutely true. Sometimes I laugh because, like you said, the it's like a moth to a flame. And I'm like, now that I've been there with him on that side, I'm like, he's for rent. Does somebody want my job? <laughs> he's really, he's sick. The horses are tired. He's tired. We haven't ate a decent meal. I'm like, all of y'all girls are like, Corey, stop for it. I'm like, can I have my, you can have my spot for a name. Oh, it's like, that's not funny. I'm like, <laughs> no, but it is. Because like you said, when we get home from Vegas, like that next day, I'm in mud boots and ripped up jeans and we have big old jackets on and gloves and we're trying to take care of cows that are yeah. calving and, and starting fires for them. And we're like, oh, do we have enough calves to make sure that we can sell some if the finals didn't go great or our horses are crippled or we need another horse? Like, like you just said, it's really funny because it all looks like a totally different picture until... Yeah you're having to do it. And that's not a complaint. It's just, I wish people understood it more. And of course we laugh like with the girls, but I even say like with the sponsors and and everything else, like they're professional athletes. It's like basketball, football, all this with absolutely no salary to me. I'm like, that is crazy. Like they have to work so hard to win provide but they're also like a walking billboard yeah you know what I mean like they're traveling and they're working so hard and I'm like it's crazy it really is and what you just brought up there which is something that's kind of recurringly you get brought up is what people wish you knew like not just the cost of what it takes to get to rodeo but just the you compare it to any other professional athlete, and I don't know of anything else that functions the way our sport does. These guys pay their own way. There's not really an off season. They're rodeoing all year long. They don't have, they're doing such extreme physical things, but there's no trainers. There's no team doctor. <laughs> there's no nutritionist. There's no team of people that's already set in place to help you succeed. These guys are really just independent contractors. They're out there grinding on their own for just, what, 250 days out of the year, traveling all over the place. It's just, it's kind of, I found myself at times getting a little bit frustrated. Like I love the sport and I love the lifestyle, but I think you just, when you love somebody that's doing it or for you even doing it, it's like you just wish that, I don't know, maybe what I'm trying to say is you wish that the talent was appreciated more. That's exactly right. It's you, you just, like you said, you wish that the talent was appreciated because 
like Corey and I talk about all the time, when you go to Houston or Big Rodeo like that, the guys or the companies that are up in the boxes up there in the suites, they don't know who Corey is from Tuff to Shane to whoever, right? They're just like, oh, look, it's a cowboy roping, a calf. And they're up there trying to make the like next business deal on their end. And they don't really understand that as a cowboy, they're a professional athlete trying to put food on the table for their family and how much physical work it takes. And then when they don't make a good run or something goes wrong and they're like, oh, that's terrible. Right. But you have a calf involved. You have a horse involved. Like you, there's so many things involved and then they're just expected to do great and win a thousand dollars. And so it's just, you definitely do it like for the love of the sport and what it can do to change lives and help the younger generation stay out of trouble and give them hope for a future and show talent for themselves because the professional athletes or anybody that does it is not, I feel like, respected or appreciated as much as they could be because people don't do it. They don't understand. Yeah. And it's so hard because you can't expect just the general rodeo fan to have any of this deeper understanding, right? They're just there to be entertained, which I totally understand. And I am so thankful for rodeo fans because that's why we get to have rodeos and everything. So for me, it's always what is the answer? Like you want everybody to get it. You kind of want to be able to like hands on shake them and be like, here's what's actually going on. But at the same time, I don't know what goes on with an NFL football player and what their life is like. So I, I don't know. I think that's kind of a hard, that's a tricky situation to be in because you do want, you want people to have a better understanding. But at the same time, like, how do we even give them any context for what's actually going on? I know. I truly wish that there was a way. I don't know the answer, but like I said, Corey and I talk about it all the time. Like the PBR is always evolving and progressing and they have like now the team events and this and that. And we always say, wish there was a way for the PRCA to put the top 15 in the world on a salary for that year. Now, of course, that would change depending on who qualified for the finals or who was in your top 15. Yes, but how much that I feel like would help those families and the people that truly because the people that are in the top 15 yeah of course it fluctuates sometimes of it's somebody's first year or this or that but a lot of them are reoccurring athletes that like I said are doing this for a living and have to provide for their family or feed their horses so I wish that there was some way that they could look at it or could get ideas from like the PBR where they have the team things or like I said, they're on a salary. And then that would fluctuate depending on who was in the finals kind of thing, because I think it would give family, the families that are in that top, however many, even if it was 20 or whatever, a little more security trying to do this as a job and feed their family. Absolutely. Well, I think we just solved everybody's problems, so they just need to listen to <laughs> <laughs> every day. <laughs> Come to us for any solving, <laughs> problem solving. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, all right. I don't think I can wait any longer. I need to know about you actually falling in love with Corey. Okay. So I got the call that I'm just going to get into Piala for the tour finale, and Corey had got, was already in, obviously. And so called Titan's owner at the time and was like, hey, I got into Puyallup. Can we go? 
And he's, yeah, you can go, but Titan has to be in Texas for the Breeders' Challenge. And I'm like, okay. Long story short, I go to Puyallup. He, Titan slips, I catch a barrel, and don't do any good. So I left that night. I start driving that night, and I blow a tire in Nampa, Idaho. And it's on a Sunday. I can't get anything fixed. And so Corey makes a shortcut Puyallup. He ropes. And him and his driver drive all night to me. I limped my rig with three barrel horses to a friend in Utah. Corey drives all night, gets there at 8 a.m., loads all three of my barrel horses from Utah, drives me all night to Texas to make sure Titan got there in time for the Breeders' Challenge. Because I was like, I'm going to die if I don't have him here. I'm going (laughs) to, my world is going to end. We were just friends. So I was just like, at that moment, I'm like, who does that? You have so much of your own stuff going on. You left your calf horses, like your best calf horses you own, with friends of mine in Utah. And those horses really needed to go to California for another rodeo red bluff. And so I that was like the moment for me. Like he did that and I didn't even have to ask him. He was like, I will be there and never complained, never nothing. And was just like I had exhausted so many options and could not make anything happen. And Corey was just like, you know what? I got you once again kind of thing. Like he had my back when I needed him most. So that was kind of my like That was the turning like, point. This guy is <laughs> it. Yeah, like this guy, who does this? Like for not like yeah. he's getting nothing out of it um and so i just knew then like how good his heart was how wonderful of a person he was now he is a pain in my butt let me tell you <laughs> that boy <laughs> he, he is but he has the biggest heart and genuinely loves me for me and that's everything like he has he's just a really good person yeah that was kind of it. And then after we got to Texas, I had to fly back to California and he flew in and roped. And then I drove, he had to fly home for a rodeo and I drove his horses to Texas from California and never left. Oh, I've been here since. <laughs> I love that so much. So we kind of laugh. Like I literally just got here, moved in and never left. <laughs> so much of my stuff is still in California because <laughs> that wasn't really the plan, but. Corey always said, he, I asked him, I'm like, why did you like never give up on me? Like you all these years, like you were persistent, like you knew you were going to be with me. And he's because I always do. If you took care of a guy like you do your horses, you'd be the one. That is my favorite cowboy answer of all time. Hands down. This is it. I love this. Oh, my gosh. That is so good. That's going to be our headline. I'm like, it makes me laugh. Yeah. Now I have to deal with it because it'd be like go and do all this stuff and rub on those horses but I can't get any attention so do you ever feel like Corey is super successful and has been for a long time he's his name is really well known and just everything do you ever feel like now that you're dating him people underestimate your abilities and kind of just see you as like Corey's girlfriend instead of being somebody who is accomplished and successful in their own right all every day it's really funny because sometimes even in public I get asked now and I say this very humbly but I used to 
people knowing that I rodeoed. I team up at Breakaway at Run Barrels and I've been blessed and had a little bit of success. And so it's kind of like people knew. Now, kind of, I get asked a lot, not a lot, but I get asked, oh, do you rodeo? Yeah. Or do you run barrels? Do you rope? And like, it's very humbling because I'm like, wow, at one time I was somebody and now I'm definitely in. And this is, I'm very blessed to be this person, but I do feel like I am very much now Corey's girlfriend. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I love being Corey's girlfriend. It's one of the biggest blessings of my life. And I love being everything that I am for him. But yes, it is definitely the first time you hear it or, or actually realize that. You're just like, wow, you're really taken back of how fast you can become yes. something else. Yeah. Maybe? That was the way to say Yeah, for me, I think it was interesting, like you said, how fast it happens and how quickly. And I don't, people, they're not doing it to be insulting or anything, but like how quickly I became Luke Branquino's wife. And that was it. I was only that. And then our situation was different than yours and Corey's in that not too long after Luke and I got married, I, I quit rodeoing. But then so many people in our lives, particularly because I was now living in California, they didn't know me in any context other than being Luke's wife. And so then from the outside looking in, I can't tell you how many people, we just didn't make sense to them. They didn't even understand how I could be his wife. And so I'd get this question all the time, even on social media, because nobody even knew that part of me or that part of my life. I wasn't associated with anything of my own. I was only associated with him and his success. And that was a little bit hard for me because I'm kind of like I didn't have my own identity. And then I didn't even – at the time, I was struggling with not even knowing who I was not rodeoing. But then you get questions like, how in the world did you guys meet? And I swear to you, I think 98% of the people that asked that question thought I was going to be like, well, I was at a beer tent at a rodeo. (laughs) Like I was the girl we were talking about. And just happened yeah. to snag him or <laughs> trick him into dating me or something like that. That I was like the buckle bunny that never left because they didn't see me as anything other than that. And like you said, I absolutely loved being Luke's wife. And I'm such a kind of behind the scenes person. But in doing that, I kind of re- reinforced that is that I was so happy to just let him shine because I was so uncomfortable with any type of attention that then it was just like year after year, I disappeared a little bit more. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. And I feel that to my core. And it's such a hard feeling to explain because there's nothing I want more in the world than to see Corey succeed and to help him succeed. And it's not about being in the spotlight when he succeeds or being like, oh, I helped him do that or I this or that. I just down in the deepest part of my heart want to see him do so well because I know what he puts into it that you like you said you start to lose a little bit of your own identity because with so much respect it's a really selfish game and it's a really hard place to be both for us both to be selfish to succeed at the end of the day like I need him and he needs me So it's which one is supposed to give, right? And so I'm thankful like he he sacrifices and gives for me a lot. But right now in our time and in our relationship and in our careers, 
I am so thankful and blessed to see him like going up, up and up more. But it is really hard because you lose a lot of your own identity and your own path in your own way because every day for me is waking up being like what does Corey need to succeed what do I need to do for him and I love that I would never change that but you definitely have to find some sort of a balance because I kind of forget about myself yeah do you ever find that when you are giving so much to him in his pursuit of success that you then have less to give to yourself in your own pursuit of success? Oh, always. I I have a lot of young horses now that need to go to a lot of burrow races like jackpots and just be hauled. But I always catch myself, oh, it's okay. I'll take them tomorrow. I'm in Texas, so there's burrow races every day. But I'm like, they're fine. I'll take them next time. I'll take them next time because what does Corey need? What do we need to practice? What do his horses need? I do a lot of therapy on his horses and keep them feeling good. Yeah, it's less and less. So it thankfully I own all of the babies. So I'm like, well, if they make or if they don't, they don't. Either way, I gotta feed them. But I definitely notice like there's a lot less for myself than there once was. And I'm I don't want that to sound bad for anybody and think, oh, that's just terrible. Cause it's not. I love it. I love doing that. And I think that's maybe why I've had success but not just absolute great success in my career yet is because I don't know how to turn that switch off of helping other people yeah and I guess I lose a little bit of my own identity and I put myself second and my horses second and the things that I want to accomplish second because in my heart I want to see other people succeed so they always come before me Whether that's a good or bad, I have to figure out that. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. And I think it's okay to be in that season of your life right now, particularly, and it sounds like you do have a clear idea of what you want. And so for me, maybe that's just where you are in this time and later is when you give more to yourself. And it sounds like just from what I've heard you say of him, Corey is a partner who is willing to or able to see that hopefully in the future and the roles might be a little bit reversed there. I think they will for sure. And I think that's so important in finding a partners because I've seen Corey and know firsthand like he's sacrificed for me before. Like when we talked about started dating Now that's why I have no problem sacrificing for him in this part of his season because I truly feel in my heart that he would do and will do the same for me one day because Corey's really witnessed my heart getting broke and been able to, it's funny because he's not a barrel racer in any means. He doesn't care about it or like it or barrel horses at all. But when I have (laughs) these, that's it. Like, we're gonna we're gonna find them we're gonna own them we're gonna train them and no matter what you own them if we want to run them on the highway and it's gonna pay a million dollars you own it you (laughs) can do it kind of thing i actually had a friend text me today was like you all right are you good i haven't seen anything you haven't posted i haven't heard from you and i'm like at a point in my life right now i'm so content with being home i'm roping every day i have some really great barrel horses that i'm enjoying but there's no pressure and just 
really enjoying like where I am and where I personally, this is a personal thing, but I personally feel like the good Lord has me and his plan for me right now and what he's doing. And so I'm so content with everything in my life and really being able to give so much to Corey because I do know in my heart that when it's my time and that's the good Lord's plan that he will completely do the same thing for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I think that's great. And like you said, just having that contentment with where you are right now is so important. Just being happy with the process of what is going on in your life. You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't have to be the end game or the win or whatever for you to find happiness. Like you're enjoying the process. Yeah. There's so many stages. And I think that if I were to give advice to anybody that is in that moment of feeling kind of lost and I don't know what I'm doing or supposed to do is like find and find something that makes you happy and be okay with that in your life with it not being more or less my life is not filled with winning a million rodeos right now and that was really hard for a little while but now like I'm so okay with that right now in my life and I'm so content and I know that it's not going to be like that forever. If that's my goal and dream and I want to keep rodeoing and go win and do all of that, I can do that and, and we'll be okay. But to in this moment in time, like finding that contentment and finding what makes you happy right now because it, tomorrow doesn't technically matter and yesterday doesn't matter. Find what is right now being content with your decision of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about how much you give to Corey, and when people are hearing this, I think we will be like in the throes of the NFR, if I'm calculating correctly. <laughs> and this also goes back to what we were talking about, that people's idea of it versus the reality of it. But I've seen like the pictures of you in your gorgeous sequin outfits, and you're like in the trenches, in the mud, in your heels, like wrapping his horse's legs. That's the reality of what's going on. And I love those things that you have shared because that is like the most perfect picture of what it's really like out there. Yeah, that is exactly. We always laugh. Like the first year I went and Corey took that picture, it was like, it was so real because it was, of course, Corey doesn't care if I'm in a sweatshirt <laughs> and tennis shoes and j dirty jeans. He's you look great. And he's actually said to me for in the elevator, I'll have an outfit on. He's, you look really great, but I really love your jeans and sweatshirt. Oh. And I'm like, really? I worked really hard for this. Of course, there's so much that goes into the outfits and everything at Vegas. and looking good and wearing the sparkly stuff. But let me tell you, those horses, they're going to get firsthand exactly what they need. Most of the time, I don't even watch the barrels at Vegas because I'm like, where's Cisco? Where's Play? I need to go wrap their legs. I need to give them their medicine. That is not a staged photo at all. That is real life yes. as being who you are. And with Lucas, I'm like, that is the real part of it, which makes the best memories. Oh, absolutely. Those are always my favorite moments. That's the thing is like rodeo and everything it takes, like that doesn't stop for the glitz and the glamour of that week. That's all still going on. Yes, if not more, because it's so many rounds of like keeping your horses healthy, keeping yourself healthy. But I'm like, 
you everybody thinks you're going to Vegas for the finals for a vacation. I'm like, yes. no part of no. that for a contestant and a contestant's wife or girlfriend is a vacation. No, kind of the opposite. And I would always have, I guess for a long time, I didn't even really understand how far removed I was from what the general experience of the NFR Vegas is during that time. Because it was almost more stressful than the rest of the year. There's so much pressure, so much is riding on it. And nothing about the way we experience, like I have people now, you'll do little like Q&As and stuff on Instagram and everybody's, oh, tell us everything to do in Vegas. Tell us the best places to eat. I'm like, I I am the worst person (laughs) you could ask that. Because our, especially the way Luke was, and I don't know how Corey is when he's out there, but Luke was all business. We did nothing other than rodeo. Our entire 10 days, two weeks revolved solely around that. We weren't going out to nice dinners. We didn't do anything other than rodeo. He wasn't even the type that was like hanging out at after parties and stuff afterwards. It was like eat, sleep, rodeo. That was it. That's exactly how Corey is. We don't go out. We don't. We're like, what can we DoorDash? Where's the Pizza Hut? We don't. Yes. It's like you said, it is eat, sleep, rodeo. Like we wake up in the morning. I'm out at the horses. He's trying to, you know, same thing. You know how it is. But yeah, we don't. I'm. This will be the third time I've gone with him and there's no after party. There's no like no. fancy dinners. It's, no, everything is. Are the horses good? Is he good? Like that is it so yeah i always laugh and i even laugh because i know a lot of people and contestants that do go out um every night or almost every night i'm like how do y'all do it i feel like i'm gonna die every day and (laughs) like the rodeo is over and we just want some food and go to bed and these people like oh i was hearing i'm like man y'all are more than me y'all are better than me because i just cannot do it and for Corey, it's same thing he takes it he enjoys it and he's so level-headed about everything, but it there for a job. Yeah. It's not all the glitz and glam and stats. He's there to do a job and it's eat, sleep, and rodeo. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I, I would have to laugh because it would be like 1130 midnight and we'd be like in the drive through line at In-N-Out in my heels. And that's where you're spending most of your time. Like the, the people at working the drive through at In-N-Out got to appreciate my outfits more than anybody else in Vegas because it was just like, I swear by the end of the 10 days, like you're in full on survival mode. I, I was. And like you said, those people oh. that I see them out partying every night, I'm like, are you guys are like warriors. This is like Sparta for you because I... I would never make it. Last year, so the 10th round that night, some friends of ours were there and Corey and I were like, we didn't go out any other night during the rodeo. So Corey's, let's just go have a couple drinks with them and whatnot. We're leaving the next day. I'm like, okay, we both had two drinks. Got back to the room. We were going to die. <laughs> not hang. Like, what are these the next morning? We, like, had to extend our room stay. I'm like, the back number ceremony night is, like, the one night. I'm yes. Like, I'm going to look good. That's the one night every night. But you're really not like we're going out after to show off your outfit or anything like that. And it's so much easier for the guys. Corey's, I need a green shirt, some jeans, some boots. For, like, 15 years, Luke wore 
the same pair of carpenter jeans and black shirts. Like the the man did not. We'd be like, we leave for Vegas for the finals in six hours, and he's oh, I have to pack. And then I'm just like, you're like Inspector Gadget, you know, like the cartoon characters when they open up the closet, <laughs> and it's just like a hundred of the same outfit. That's literally what it's like living with Luke Brinkley. And so I get you. I was jealous every single year. I should have adopted. I should have just been his twin. I should have just worn jeans and black shirts every night. Which I want to ask you about. This is on my personal must-knows. Can you explain the green? Corey Solomon and green are synonymous now. And I need to know when this started and what it's about. Okay, so it's kind of a funny story. He was at a roping. And I could not tell you who or what happened. But he had green. This is like years and years ago before all these bright colors were a big thing. And Corey had green splint boots on his horse and he was about to rope. And somebody, who knows who, said, nice green boots you got on your horse, like making fun of Corey. And Corey was like, be worried about out roping me, not what color boots I have on my horse. So he's very much the kind, if you tell him not to do something, he's going to do it twice. And (laughs) just so that kind of started it. But then it kind of just turned into like a business thing after that. Like I said, like a lot of the guys in Houston or any rodeo businesses, they don't know the difference between them, but they can be like, oh, that's the guy in green. Yeah, I remember seeing him at San Antonio or Fort Worth or Vegas or whatever. Then it just kind of became like a trademark for him. But yeah, it really started out because somebody made fun of him (laughs) because he had green boots on his horse. And Corey is very much like he's going to stand up for the underdog and does not do bullying. He is not. He will not. That's one thing about him is he's not going to handle bullying or being mean or anything like that. He really did it after whoever it was that made fun of him for it. He's, you know what, I'm going to stand up for every little kid that wants to wear green split boots or this or that. But they're scared because they're like, oh, so-and-so is not going to like it. He was like, you know what, be yourself. Like, just... If you want to rock green or pink or whatever, you do it. Like, you you got to do what makes you happy. So that's kind of what started it. That's an even better story than what I was hoping for. But we should also say that the last, I don't know, couple years, at least from my observations, you have also adopted the green, which I absolutely love. You're like team green. Oh, my gosh. It really is. Like you, your team carpenter jeans. (laughs) Look at you rocking the carpenter jeans. I don't want to talk about it. Hey, you make those things look so good. (laughs) Yeah, no. They've always liked green, but now it's just kind of like a funny joke. Oh, you've got to be team green, this, that. I've never owned so many green things in my life. (laughs) My closet. You need something green, girl, I got you. You are set for every St. Patrick's Day for the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah. So the matching at Vegas thing, that was never like my plan. And then the first year, oh, I'm going to wear green. Mind you, I did not have a dress for the back number ceremony. And I found this boutique in Vegas. And that's where I got my first dress. And it happened to be green and gold. And I didn't wear matching outfits that year. And then last year I did, which was really hard. And so then this year I wasn't going to do that. And then I did, of course, a poll on Instagram like green outfits or not green outfits and everybody's like green outfits. I just have to apologize because I was one of the people that voted for green because I want to see what you can do with this. I'm so impressed with you. I may have voted twice. (laughs) All right. Well, at the end of every episode, we do a couple things on the podcast. So the first one 
is that I ask you a question that's been left by a previous guest. So they just like anonymously left some questions for me to ask to a future guest. So are you ready for yours? I'm ready. What is your rodeo resolution for 2024? Okay, that's a good one. Um, My rodeo resolution for 2024 is to not let... My, I get my feelings hurt really easy and really worry if somebody likes me or if I did something to hurt their feelings or care about what they think so much, especially in the rodeo community. I think because I run barrels, right? So there's, I'm really tied into a lot of barrel racers um, as a whole, not speaking about anyone individually, but just as a whole. Um, so I think my 2024 resolution is to be content with whatever my friendship is with whoever it is. Like, do my best to be a really good friend to them, but rather in it a really strong friendship or I don't talk to them at all or I only talk to them when I see them. Not to change like who I am as a person and to keep my kind heart and be the best person I can be and friend to other people, but how they respond to that, not letting it affect my life. So good. I think that's such a great resolution, regardless of whether or not it is centered around rodeo. (laughs) Yes. And then the last one, do you have a favorite rodeo moment or memory? And it can be of your own. It can be of Corey's. It can be one of each. That's a good one. And I'm trying to remember, I think for myself, if I were to say one for myself, it would have been when I won all three rounds at Ellensburg and just like hearing the excitement in my dad's voice because my dad's like rodeoed and all he's done so much in my life, like for all of us to be able to succeed and hit the sacrifices. So to hear him crying on the phone in pure excitement and joy, like simply for me hit me to my core in that moment like I was running to get my awards and stuff and I was on the phone with him and he was just like crying saying how proud he was of me (laughs) and I live my life to make my dad proud so that's probably like one of the most sentimental like happiest moments in my life Mm -hmm. um and then one of the best moments for Corey, I think it would be like any rodeo that I've been to with him. Just see the look on his face of pure joy of he feeling like he accomplished something because he's so hard on himself as a competitor that like when he's looked at me before and I'm sure you have had this look when they finally look at you and they're like, I did it. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, like we did that. We finally like you have hit that point of you are proud of yourself and content because they're never just like really content with how they have done at any rate. Oh, I did this. I could have done better. Oh, yes. And so then, of course, for me, and I'm sure for you, I'm like, okay, what can I do that makes it easier for him to do better? What can I do for his horses? What can I do for him that's going to make it easier at any rodeo? Or I guess in Vegas, when he finally, when he walks on stage to get his back number, he looks at me and it's just like that moment of, wow, we did it. We're here. And I'm like, maybe because I finally get to take a, a deep breath and yeah. be like, I feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, those are such good ones, Destry. I love that so much. And I've loved every minute of this. I am just as big a fan of yours as I thought I would be the more I find out about you. So thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, it would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow and, most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. Mm -hmm.